0: You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa.
1: He called then-Governor Robert Bentley of Tuscaloosa during the Super Bowl. The annual live has now raised more than $2.5 million. Don Hartley, Town Square Media, Tuscaloosa.
0: The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tide Insider TV. Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama Sports and Sports Director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show. On your home for Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
2: All right, good morning everybody. Welcome to the Gary Harris Show for this Tuesday. February thirteenth, 2024, I'm your host, Gary Harris. Justin Jones is right there on the other side of the glass, manning the controls, taking your phone calls on the First and main Condos hotline in hour number one, the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline in hour number two, and we got a good show on tap for you today that we're going to run down for you in just a moment. First, though, I need to tell you, as always, this hour the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit, it really is just a better way of baking. Alabama Credit Union let you do it your way. When you become a member, membership has its privileges. Find out more. Alabamacu.com. That's Alabamacu.com. com. you can buy and see them in one of the many locations around the great state of Alabama. <coughs> Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership and join today. And feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. Art the lineup today, uh, we've been getting a lot of questions and um Request for Patrick Murphy, Alabama softball coach. We got him today, 9.30. Murph will be with us to break it all down. Alabama goes 5-0 and at the Buzz Classic over in Atlanta to open the weekend or open the season this past weekend. And a really impressive performance in a lot of different areas and getting ready for uh, their big tournament at home this weekend. We'll break it all down with Murphy coming up at 9.30. Then at 10 o'clock, Drudy Armin, the Rocket Man, from 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville. He's over in Jacksonville for the uh, high school basketball regional, but he's going to join us from over there at Pete Matthews Coliseum at Jacksonville State at 10 o'clock. As I said, your phone calls are welcome on the First Domain Condos hotline at 205-342-9904. Uh, Justin, if we want to turn the heat down a little bit in here, I'm feel more than welcome to do it. I'm burning up in here, man. I walked in here this morning. It is hot. I'll, I'll crack the window here in just a second. I don't know if it's because I've been sick or not, but it feels like it's 100 degrees in here. Uh, we've got a good show, though, obviously on tap and uh, would love to uh, visit with you this morning as we always do. And as I said, 205-342-9904 is the number if you want to give us a call on the First and Main Condos hotline. All right. All um, right. Alabama basketball is on its bye week. The Tide won't play until uh, Saturday against Texas A&M. But the news coming out yesterday that they're going to wear an alternative uniform, kind of a a throwback. It's something that uh, fans got really excited about once they put the um, the video out on Twitter yesterday. And uh, this is something that schools are doing around the country, and it's something that um, the fans seem excited about. That video, uh, like I said, dropped on Twitter, and I was able to uh, retweet it yesterday, but basically, um, the alternate uniform is featuring a bold design with the words crimson and Tide" spaced out above one another (coughs) on the front. While a crimson number with white lining completes the look, the jersey um, and the shorts have that kind of streamlined fit that we've gone back to. Remember for a long time, beginning in the, the 90s with the um, Fab Five, we went baggy, and for a while the uniforms were so baggy that, my gosh, I mean, they the, the shorts hang, hung past people's knees. Now we've gone back to more of a traditional fit, um, more of a streamlined fit, and that's the way this jersey is going to look. The highlight seems to be the Block A on the shorts that has gotten a lot of people's attention and has caused a lot of excitement. That's that old school um, logo with the Block A and the elephant. So we're going to see those uniforms on Saturday when Alabama takes on (coughs) Texas A&M at 11 a.m. inside Coleman Coliseum. So we're looking forward to that. Also, women's basketball, this is their bye week as well. They won't play until Sunday when they take on Auburn. I know Christy Curry was on with us last week, and she is hoping for a huge crowd on Sunday as the Tide has really had Auburn's number under Coach Curry in recent years. But Auburn did win the first matchup this year down at Neville Arena. So Alabama will be looking to get the split and uh, looking for a huge home crowd. So a big weekend of basketball. As I mentioned, the AHSAA regionals are underway for regional sites uh, around the state of Alabama and um, Montgomery, Hantsville, Jacksonville, and Birmingham. And then, of course, everybody's working to get to the state championships coming up at the Legacy Arena there in Birmingham. Football, of course, uh, Alabama, nothing official still on anything, on either side as far as uh, Ryan Grubb and Scott Huff are concerned. The Seahawks have not made an announcement, but the anticipation is obviously that those two gentlemen are leaving Alabama and going to work for the Seattle Seahawks in the NFL. And as far as Alabama replacing those guys, uh, nothing has been, you know, happening there. And and in fact, Alabama still has not officially announced any hires other than Kalen DeBoer. He is still the only official announcement from the university in regards to staff. Talked about this yesterday with Rodney Orr. And um, hopefully that's something that once they get the staff completely in place, the university will put out a... Uh, will put out a release and officially make all of these hiring announcements. But as of right now, no one has been officially announced as a football staffer other than the head coach, Kalen DeBoer. NBA last night, the uh, Charlotte Hornets got their second straight win, and um, they beat the Indiana Pacers. Brandon Miller, who'd been red hot, just had 12 points and five rebounds last night, but he only took eight shots four of eight from the field he's playing very very well and the um, hornets have won a couple games in a row after making all those deals they made at the trade deadline so those are some news and notes that are happening this morning right now let's jump out on the first main condos hotline and tom is going to lead us off good morning tom
3: gary good morning you sound a lot better
2: i'm getting there i'm i'm still battling this cough but hopefully i'm on the on the downhill now well
3: I know you get irritated with me doctoring for you, but uh, I, I really I have a suggestion for that call, but uh, <clears throat> I, I'm not going to say anything unless you say No, it. go I ahead. Go you
2: know, ahead and give it to me.
3: Well, you need to look at a, a honey and lemon uh, concoction to drink before you go on the air, and it'll soothe that uh, that part of your throat that you creating that calm right and i think it would uh, and then maybe a little bit during the course of the because you have to you know you have to vocalize so much right during the course of a show and i think that would have a soothing effect on your uh Vocal cords and your esophagus and so forth, and I think it would really help you if you would. Uh, well, I've been think actually, Tom.
2: That. You'll be happy to know I've been doing that. I didn't do it this morning. I probably should have, but I've been taking some some honey, some Richard Scott honey from uh, WVA twenty three chief meteorologist who is a bee farmer. I've been taking some of his local honey. Oh, excellent! Yeah, and excellent. and taking some real lemon juice, and then taking some water, and then heating it up in a coffee cup, and oh you're right it is very soothing you probably should have had some some this morning but uh, yeah
3: you should have been, uh, and and maybe a continual uh therapy of that well uh honey has uh well i'm not going you know all about it i don't need to tell you um uh, i called in because i wanted to suggest what time's is group coming on 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock okay can i offer a suggestion uh to you, I would like to hear you and Drew talk about our position, where we are in uh, and, and the conference in basketball. And then I, I would like for y'all to go out on the speculative limb about uh, what you think uh, our record will end up being. Now, I'm, I'm praying for a 15 and three. I, I, that's that's going to be hard to do, but that's what I wish we would get. And and uh, and I think fifteen and three outright wins the conference going away, and um, <clears throat> but I, I would like to hear you alls speculative discussion about uh, where we could end up and and how, what we'd have to do to win the conference outright. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Get, the, get the number one seed in we
2: <laughs> Will do. I'll, I'll I'll do that, Tom, for sure. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Tom. And it's uh, 11 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock, and uh, we're off and running. Uh, Patrick Murphy, can't wait for Murph coming up at 9.30 this morning. So all you softball fans, uh, be prepared and be uh, be tuned in for sure. And uh, we're going to have the, the head coach of the Crimson Tide with us at 9.30. We'll get to the break, and we'll come back with more of the Gary Harris Show this hour being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. We're back right after this. Hot!
0: This season of Alabama football on Tide 100.9. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse Casino. Just a few minutes away where you can be a winner too. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and is brought to you by Everwood Treatment Company.
4: The official treated lumber of Alabama athletics. Everwood. Wood. Treated right.
0: Hello again everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. On Thursday's edition of Crimson Drive, driven by NASCAR, we'll be joined by women's basketball's Aaliyah Nye.
5: We know each other really well on and off the court. Um, I think the coaches have been putting us in positions to succeed and we've just come in every single day and tried to work hard and just continue to just be who we are.
4: I've seen this team really grow all throughout the season because you did have some returning pieces like you, Sarah Ashley Barker, a loyal McQueen from a year ago, but you get to blend that with some newcomers as well. How have you all come together?
5: I think just practicing together and getting to know each other um, on and off the court, like I said, I think we've slowly um gotten to know like each other's game and we've been putting that together. I think these last few games you can see that we're starting to learn each other even more and it wasn't easy in the beginning of the season but I think as the season has come along we have really gotten to know each other's strengths and weaknesses and what we're capable of doing.
0: I'll have more in a moment. Producing championship quality lumber is not an easy process. But at Everwood Preserving, it's our only process. Wood treated right. Everwood offers top-notch pressure-treated wood for decks, outdoor structures, commercial jobs, and more that you can build your reputation on. When it comes to quality, we're on the winning team. Visit your local Everwood dealer today and discover the difference for yourself. Everwood Preserving Incorporated, the official lumber of the Alabama Crimson Tide.
4: If you missed last night's edition of Hey Coach
2: presented by Outfit Insurance, catch it on demand on the Alabama Boulevard West. Krispy Kreme is open seven days a week. To see our complete donut, coffee, and espresso menu, visit our website at CrispyCreamTuscaloosa.com. Krispy Kreme, hot now and anytime. Tide 100.9.
1: Tuscaloosa weather. The weather cool and dry today with a sunny sky, the high 55. Clear tonight, the low 34. And we stay dry tomorrow and Thursday. The sky sunny both days. The high tomorrow, 63. The high Thursday at 66 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's
0: 40 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on TIDER Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of The Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on TIDE 100.9.
2: 916. Welcome back Get into the Gary Harris Show. Gary Harris and Justin Jones with you. Patrick Murphy coming up at the bottom of the hour to talk Bama softball. And Justin, baseball uh, is around the corner starting this weekend at home. We've got um, Coach Rob Vaughn with us this coming Thursday at 9.30. Also, we'll have... Um, Ashley Johnston on Friday, gymnastics coach, and we'll get Coach Curry on as well. So we're really talking to all of these Alabama coaches on a regular basis, and I love doing that and uh, spotlighting their sports. And this is a particularly busy, busy time of the year with the winter sports now overlapping the spring sports. And uh, it's a it's a busy time with a lot of different uh, Alabama sports, and we'll talk to as many of these coaches as we can. Speaking of... Um, Alabama sports and basketball, and Tom called in, want me to ask Drew about what he thinks it'll take for Alabama to win the league. I, I agree with Tom. If if somebody goes fifteen and three, they're gonna win it. Um, I mean, we're already talking about the leaders, Alabama and South Carolina <coughs> having two losses. And um I would take fifteen and three right now and take it to the House. I don't think they'll be fifteen and three. I think that uh, four losses will probably win the league, if not outright tie for it. Uh, well, look at Alabama's schedule and um, just being honest about it, it's, it's really, really tough going forward. Uh, it, just, it just is. And um, Alabama's a good team. We've talked about it. They're an exciting team. But they've still got some games that um, are going to be very, very, very difficult for them, including including this this weekend. I mean, A and M has been a team that has kind of had Nate Oates' number since Oates has been at Alabama, probably more so than any other team in the league. <coughs> so you've got home games coming up. Against AM on Saturday and then Florida next Wednesday. But let's say Bama gets those two, okay? Let's say they get those two. That would put them at 11 and 2. But then you're at Kentucky, at Ole Miss, at home against Tennessee, at Florida, and home against Arkansas. So let's say you get to 11 and 2, and I don't care what's going on with Kentucky. Winning in Rupp is going to be difficult. Winning at Ole Miss is going to be difficult. Winning at Florida is going to be difficult. Those three road games, winning at home against Tennessee is not going to be a picnic. But those three road games at Kentucky, at Ole Miss, and at Florida, I could see two losses out of those three. You know. And if you lose those two, two of those three, and then you win all your home games, that's going to put you at 14-4. Four. Now, 14-4, and four, I think, as I've said, wins the league or at least gets you in a tie for the SEC championship. And that right now, as I break it down, with seven games to go in the league... I like the chances of Alabama getting to 14-4. And if they do that, I think they're going to have at least a piece of the SEC regular season championship. But again, I can't um, tell you how tough I think A&M is going to play on Saturday against Alabama. I think that is a team that has confidence because that program has had success under Buzz Williams against Nate Oates in Alabama. So I think they're going to come in here ready to play. Having said that, Alabama's been outstanding at home. The only home loss came to Clemson. Way back in the non conference on November the 28th. That's been the only home loss. So I think Alabama's going to find a way to get it done, but I don't think it'll be easy. And then I think they'll find a way to get it done against Florida. So that's why I've got them at 11 and 2. And that leaves you with a five game schedule. And I've got Alabama going three and two in those five games. And that's how I get to 14 and four. And I'll say it again, I've said it on this show. I did not think going into the season, based on the roster attrition, and even though I was high on the portal class, high on the signing class, High on how <coughs> Coach Oates has infused this program with talent. Even after losing Miller and Clowney and Betty Ako, Quinterly, Burnett. I did not think this was going to be an SEC regular season championship team. I thought this was going to be a team that had a chance to finish in the top four. So to be sitting here 11 games in, tied for the SEC lead, again, I think it's a phenomenal coaching job by Nate Oates. But when you play (coughs) Kentucky and Tennessee, even Florida, you're going to be playing teams with big bodies inside, big people. And we know based on how this season has played out, That has been troublesome for the Crimson Tide. Not trying to push a panic button or anything, but Alabama has continued to have trouble throughout the season against these big physical teams. We know what happened at Tennessee. Just got manhandled. We know what happened down at Auburn. We remember losses to Ohio State and Clemson. (coughs) Clemson's very big, very physical. And Purdue and Creighton and Arizona. So what I have continued to say is that this Alabama team, (coughs) while very skilled, very talented, a lot of outstanding three-point shooters, the issues that it has are remaining and are going to remain. The same issues they had in November and December they've had in January, they've had in February, and they're going to have in March. Now that doesn't mean they can't beat these teams. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that when Alabama plays against Big physical teams, they just don't really match up in terms of bodies. Now, <coughs> Pringle playing the way he did against LSU helps a lot. If he can go for 17 and 5 on a regular basis, then that is going to help this Alabama team. Wagyi, as we've said, you know, he picks up his first foul. When he's standing at the scores table. I mean, the guy fouls as much as any player in the country. And I know that's something that they work with him on. But he is a high prone player in terms of fouls. Very high foul prone. And Grant Nelson is an athletic stretch four they've played it to five some and he's had a really solid year but he's not the most physically imposing guy even though he's 6'10, 6'11 he's of a slender build now they've gone to this four guard lineup and against LSU it was really effective and they brought Pringle in off the bench, but they, they, got against, they got on the backboard against LSU and really controlled the glass. But the challenge for this Alabama team, you're going to see it. <coughs> you might even see it Saturday. a and is a very physical team, and their guards are physical, too. I mean, they are a get-up-into-you, defend with a lot of aggressiveness. And if you look back throughout Nate Tenure's time at Nate Oates' tenure at Alabama, he's had as much trouble with Buzz Williams and A&M as any, any team in this league. So that's an interesting game. You add in the early tip. Hopefully the fans will get out early, <coughs> pack that building. The positive is that it's an early game, so it's over at 1-115, and you still have your entire Saturday in front of you. So hopefully the fans will get in there, and by about 1045, A.M. on Saturday, that place will be rocking. Because Alabama needs it. They'll need a big home crowd and a big home court advantage on Saturday against those Texas A&M Aggies. All right, it's 927 here on the Gary Harris Show. And uh, coming up on the other side, Patrick Murphy, Alabama head softball coach. A reminder, the YMCA of Tuscaloosa is ready and waiting whenever you're ready for the Y. Get by and see them, 2313. Do you have oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high-mileage oil to help it go farther right here at AutoZone. Get in zone,
0: AutoZone.
2: Restrictions apply. As much as Innisfree has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend to reminisce on college days or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the lucky lunch
0: in Alabama. Contact your legislator today by visiting sportsbettingalliance.org. Paid for by Sports Betting Alliance.
2: sportsbettingalliance.org. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. With approved credit. PTG Outdoors, open Monday through Friday, 8 till 5. In the Old LML l Marine location in
1: Northport.
0: Call 333-1600. Five. <laughs> alabama fans are all over the world and we are too download the tide 100.9 app right now in the app store and google play and take the crimson tide everywhere you go
2: Right, 931, welcome back into the Gary Harris show. Yay, Alabama brings us back in because we're about to talk to the head coach of the Crimson Tide softball team. Patrick Murphy is with us for his first visit of the 2024 season. And boy, what a way to start the season this past weekend over at the Buzz Classic in Atlanta. Good morning, coach. How are you? Gary, good morning. How are you? Well, I'm been battling the flu, and I tell you, I've got that post-viral uh, cough now, and I just cannot shake it. But uh, Lord, yeah. it's going around. I gotta, yeah, gotta gotta play, gotta play hurt, though. You know that, being an athlete. Um, what a start to the season. You go to the Buzz Classic in Atlanta, um, good field, including Georgia Tech, who we know is a really, really, really good team. And you go 5-0. and oh, um, Offensively, you got the clutch hits. Defensively, you were phenomenal. Uh, Pitching-wise, I mean, I don't know what to say about Beaver. She makes her debut and, and throws the program's 46 no hitter for you on, on Thursday. So a really productive weekend for the team.
4: I know, it was it was so much fun because we were, you know, we'd started like January 8th, so we came back before school started, and I think everybody, including me, was sick and tired of seeing the same people in scrimmages. So we went over on Thursday, and it's an easy trip to Atlanta, and we played Villanova that night. And uh, about the fourth inning, I leaned over, and I said to Lance McMahon, our pitching coach, I said, I don't think I've seen this beaver in practice. So he kind of smiled at me, and I was like, she might've been holding back just a tad. Okay. And I mean, she went out guns, blazing. I mean, it was awesome to watch hit her spots. Uh, you know, they didn't have a gun, uh, radar guns, but I would say 68 to 70, 71, wow. uh, the whole night. Um, I love her fiery attitude on the mound. She gets excited, uh, you know just a great kid and we're really really lucky that we we got her for a year and I wish we had her for four but um, what a good addition and she's just been kind of been the um, rock of the bullpen so far so for us to start and honestly Gary I thought we were gonna do like three innings two innings two innings and she just kept throwing up zeros and getting ahead of batters and her pitch count wasn't very high and um we scored single runs, I think in three innings. And so I kept, you know, saying to the staff, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And she just kept throwing bullets. And, um, so we just, we stopped with her. So it was a great start and, um, had some really clutch hits from, from a lot of people. Like you said, uh, one of the biggest surprises was, uh, freshman Lauren Johnson, who, um, you know, Christian white has a little bit of an injury that she's overcoming and getting better at. But, um, Lojo got thrown into center field and, I mean, took advantage of every opportunity. I'm sure you saw it already, but she's the SEC freshman of mm-hmm. the week. In one. I mean, no fear, no doubts, not too many stops in the top drawer. I mean, nothing, just a gamer and came up with several big hits, had a big, big catch in center field in one game. Um, I mean, I was really impressed with
2: her. Yeah, so Alabama softball, PMF, post-Montana Fouts, <laughs> what, a, what a weekend. And um, defensively, and I know that, you know, when, when Allie decided to retire, um, you go bring Kayla Bro in, and she was one of the best outfielders in the history of the program, and the outfield play, I know it was just one tournament, but it was highlight real after highlight real catch, and we'll get to the triple play that wasn't in a moment, but your defensive play in the outfield all five games was phenomenal.
4: Yeah, and you know, the at the beginning of the season, probably week two of practice, I can remember we were getting around everybody was in a circle before practice started, and I said, Look, um, you guys, you guys know when I'm genuine and I'm telling you the truth because I'm standing right here in front of you. So I'm not going to fake anybody out, but this is the most athletic team we've ever had. And I said it about five times. And all around the field, you know, the two catchers are hellacious athletes. They could play anywhere. Um, you know, we have people that could play seven, six, six positions easy. And, you know, as the tournament went along, that just kept getting... Uh, highlighted again and again and again. And, you know, not only, you know, we had, we played five games, only had one error. And originally Georgia Tech had given a hit, a hit on that play. And uh it was a tough play that Kenley Kahalen came in, charged the slow roller across the middle of the infield and just kind of like didn't get a good grip on it. And um that was the only error of the weekend. She made a hell of a play at shortstop. Callie Hevlin played great defense. At uh, second base, both catchers. We threw out two out of three base runners. Uh, and then obviously the outfield. Um, Jenna Johnson had a great catch against the wall. Lauren Johnson had a diving catch, all out Superwoman. And then obviously Larissa Pruitt to end the tournament was unbelievable. And, you know, when we, uh, when Allie decided to retire and head back to Crowley, Louisiana, you know, Bro was working in TV, doing radio stuff. SEC Network, ESPN, uh, Seattle Mariners pregame, postgame. Mm-hmm. I don't think people knew that, but she was she broke into Major League Baseball, which is very difficult for a, a young lady. And um, you know, I called her like August seventeenth, the day Allie told me, and I said, "Hey, I'm not going to take notes for an answer. So we don't start practice until September twenty fifth. So you have a long time to think it over. But um, that's when practice starts. So we'll expect you to be here." And they moved into town on the 23rd of September. So, great addition. Her husband, David, got a job. Um, daughter, Dil- Dylan, is like the queen of the clubhouse. Uh, knows every player's name. She's two years old and, and already smarter than me. Just uh, It's just been a lot of fun to have all of
2: them back in Tuscaloosa. Well, the results early have been phenomenal. 5-0 and in the tournament, uh, outscored the opposition 31-4, to Villanova, Longwood, and, and Georgia Tech. Let's get to Georgia Tech because that's a really good team. And you beat them uh, 3-1 on Friday. And then on Saturday, I want to get to the, the triple play uh, that wasn't. You're up 5 to nothing in the seventh, but they, they load the bases and look like they're going to get a grand slam. And Pruitt makes a phenomenal catch. And, I mean, I'm watching the clip, and in real time, it seemed like a triple play. It was called a triple play. It wasn't a triple play. And later, uh, the runner was said to have tagged from third, and and they get a run, and, and, and uh, Beaver has to get another out. But what happened there, Murph? What was your—I mean, it looked like the game was over— I wasn't there, so I guess the umpires got together and and had a conference and decided that there was a run and you had to finish the game. Tell us what went on there because it was like one of the great triple plays that we've ever seen.
1: I know. Uh, So,
4: like you said, bases loaded, no outs, shot to right field. Larissa makes a hell of a play, bangs up against the fence, you know, just one of those, holy, you know what, did she catch that? She throws it in immediately, which was really cool. You know, she had a heady present. Gives it to Kahalen. Cahalan stomps her foot at second base. I'm screaming 3-3-3. throws it to three. And every umpire said, out, out, out. So, triple play, right? So, we start celebrating and run on the field. and, And then, you know, Georgia Tech, to her credit, she had two challenges that she hadn't used yet for a video replay. And so they call time and say, I want to I see the catch, which is allowable. So the umpires go back, look at the catch. I grab a list, Larissa, I said, did you catch that? Did you catch that? And she said, yeah, I think I did. I mean, um, and then the lojo, the center fielder comes over and she says, Murph, she caught it. She caught it. I saw, I saw it. So he comes out, out. And then again, we think we win the game. And then they ask for a video replay again of the girl tagging at third, and that's a reviewable play. Mm -hmm. So the umpires go back behind again, uh, come back. They point at third base, which now we don't realize all this stuff is not even on TV because the the game footage stopped when they assumed it was a triple play, and nobody's seeing all this. So uh, he looks at third base. He says, safe. He points at home plate, which means... The run scored. And then he screams, and, you know, there's a thousand people there and nobody can really hear him except for us on the field. And he says, two outs, runner at first. So uh, the girl at second did not tag. So that was a double play. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we all get together again. And I said, Beaver, get that final out and let's get out of here. And she struck, yes, she struck her out in four pitches. So we celebrated again. So we had three celebrations. And just, it was a great game. And I really do think that, you know, Georgia Tech, they have a deep pitching staff and their three, four, five hitters were really, really good. And that, that was, I think the three hole that hit that ball. And then the next day they run ruled Longwood twice. So, um, you know, once we play somebody early in the season, we want them to go on and just kill it because that eventually will help us RPI wise, because the more wins they get, the better our wins against them look.
2: Well, like you said, Georgia Tech had their challenges. They used them. Um, are you satisfied with the ruling? Did they get it right? Or did you still think that yeah. it was a triple play? The, the tag was well, legal I, enough, you uh, think?
4: So I went over, and when he came over and said all that, I said, okay, I want to challenge that the runner at second passed the runner at third. Because we had a couple kids pretty um, were sure that the girl at second passed the girl at third which is not legal. And, uh, so I said that, and then one of the umpires said, um, you know, on our, re- on, on our second review, we did not see any of that because what they're really supposed to do is when they look at review, they're supposed to look at all kinds of stuff, not just the one thing. So they could come back and say the girl didn't tag or whatever. So I did not want to push it, um, uh, I could tell, and, you know, it was raining. And so I was just like, okay, let's get off the field. Let's get this last out and go home. So um, that's what we did.
2: Well, you took care of business. And now you do come home for the Easton-Bama Bash, which begins on Friday with St. Thomas, Virginia. And Southern Indiana, you're going to play five games in three days. Uh, tell me about this tournament field. I mean, obviously, Virginia is the name that stands out. Um, how good is it? And, um, you know, how excited are, are the young ladies about getting to play at home?
4: Oh, I'm really excited, you know. Um, it's been a while. So, Virginia, obviously ACC, um, they got a brand new stadium probably five years ago, six years ago. And um, I think they're kind of reaping the benefits still um, with better recruiting classes year after year after year. And I thought they were going to break through last year for regionals, and they kind of faltered down the stretch. But uh, the lady that coached them was at McNeese State, who had some really good success. And she's originally from that area in Virginia, so she went home. Uh, St. Thomas out of Minnesota is um, a small private Catholic school that won D3 softball again and again and again and again. And basically, the conference up there that they were in, they wanted to kick the athletic department out of the conference because they won in every sport. Well. They're like, "You need, to, yeah, you need to get out of our league." And so the school said, "Okay, then we're going to try to go to Division One." And I know the basketball coach, uh, great guy, great coach. Um, they're doing well in Division One. Softball had some big wins last year. I think it's their third or fourth year in Division One. So they're newer obviously newer program um the coach that was there when they were division three um was one of the best guys in college softball he did not want to go up to division one so he went to another division three Minnesota. so we've been friends with him forever and, and are familiar with the school uh and it's really cool to have somebody different come down and just experience the road rose house because that's a big draw of, mm-hmm. you know coming here and then um Southern Indiana is another uh, – they were a Division Two uh, five years ago, won the national championship, and then their athletic department again said, I think we need to go to Division One." So they're, they're now Division One, and a, uh, a lady that I've known also for years, a good friend. And um, so the cool story about them, they had a kind of a banquet a preseason thing for their entire athletic department. And they did a silent auction, and they uh, auctioned off trips with each team on away events, so basketball, women's basketball, you know, soccer, softball, the whole thing. And I saw the coach at the softball convention in uh, Louisville. That she comes up to me because Murphy you're never gonna believe this. The highest um, event that was bid on, the most money, was the trip to Alabama. Wow. So." Yeah, two uh, fans from uh, Southern Indiana softball are coming with the team to experience the Rhodes House and uh, sounds like they, they paid a pretty good penny to get on the bus. So really cool.
2: And that's something. Just speaks to the reputation that this place has. All right. Before I let you go, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the roster. And we talked about the tournament and some of the players that. uh, Let's start with the pitching staff. Obviously, Kayla Beaver and and Jayla Torrance are your headliners. But you've got five pitchers on this staff. You know, talk about the depth of your staff and and who else you expect to contribute in the circle. Yeah. We
4: actually have six. Six, I'm sorry. This one. Yeah. So we have three seniors. So, Beaver is a grad transfer, Jayla Torrance, and our lefty that transferred from Michigan,
2: Lauren Essman. Yeah, that's right. I missed Essman. Yeah,
4: Yeah, we have kind of exact opposite, a lefty curveball with a righty curveball, which is Jayla. Beaver throws more like Montana, uh, hard, uh, down, and up, so she can go rise ball, drop ball, and anywhere from 68 to 70, 71. And, you know, when we were looking at the roster last year, Lance had said, I really don't want to lose three pitchers in one year. And I I, I always, that scares me to no end that three kids graduate at once. So we had a freshman coming in, and you're going to love her, Gary. Her name is Jocelyn Brisky. Mm-hmm. She's a young Phoenix. And I mean, poker face, like unreal. Her presence on the mound is unbelievable. And already she's probably the fastest worker we've ever had. Uh, I mean, it was like she, she's ready to pitch the next pitch. So uh, she's going to be really fun. And she's going to hit. So her and Esmond both have been hitting. And Esmond had a really good weekend hitting. And then we have a junior, Alex Salter. Mm-hmm. So three seniors, a junior, a freshman. So we were like, you know what? If we could find a sophomore, we would have freshman, sophomore, junior, three seniors. And then the next year, which is 25. We got a kid coming for, you know, a freshman that's going to come in. We'd have one in each class, which is what I really prefer. And um, Ailey Johnson, and when you see her name, it looks like Aaliyah. Mm -hmm. you got to teach yourself. It's Ailey. 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 Yeah. So she's a young lady that was the Alabama Player of the Year twice in high school. She's from Fairhope, and she had gone to LSU, and she got in the portal and um, called us and said, hey— I'm looking for a new place. And, you know, obviously I'm from Alabama. And she played summer ball with Kenley Kahalen, Larissa Pruitt, and Marley Giles with the Thunderbolts in Birmingham. And so that was just, and she was a sophomore. And uh, she has one of the best change ups we've ever had, probably next to Blair Potter, who so I don't know if you remember her, but she was a lefty, yeah. Columbus, Georgia, mm-hmm. and just a hell of a change up. And Ailey is right there with it. So, six pitchers, and um Salter had injured her wrist a little bit in the fall, so the other five pitched at Georgia Tech, but we're hoping to get uh, Alex in this weekend for some innings
2: and then lineup wise, you already talked about the athleticism. It appears that uh, you've got that in 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 large numbers, and you've got a deep roster, and we know the game's changed a lot, and not that you're still not gonna you know slap and bun every now and then to do what you gotta do to win a game, but it's about hitting the gaps, it's about hitting the ball with a fence, and it appears you've got some you know, you've got some of those type hitters that can um not only hit the home runs, but but get the extra base hits, bring runners around and, and have the potential for those big innings that you need once you get into SEC play.
4: Oh, absolutely. And you know, one of the things that I really liked at Georgia Tech was from the from the get go, we were after people. Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, a couple times um, in the past couple years, we've kind of waited around until the fourth, fifth, sixth inning, and, you know, and then we're behind. But this team has a really good sense of urgency. Uh, One other kid that just filled the ball was Abby Dukesher. She's a 6'2 young lady from North Dakota. Uh, Tall, blonde, first base, second base.
2: Was a great Uh, high school basketball player.
4: Yeah, scored over 2,000 points. Mm Mm-hmm. I uh, played volleyball, was just a hell of a high school athlete, and it, you know when you concentrate on one sport, it's going to take a little bit of time. And she understood that. She has a great growth mindset, and it, it's paying off now because she was in the three hole, and just ripped the ball. Um, Bailey Dallin still has her best is yet to come. She was in the fourth spot. We have uh, we're going to celebrate Emma Broadfoot on Friday night. It's her senior day. So um she's got pop, but she's still going to deliver for us. Uh The catcher that transferred from Texas A&M, Riley Valentine, she's probably the most athletic catcher uh, we've probably ever had. And Marley Giles is right there with her. So both of them have great arms. Uh, You know, Marley played like four games in center field last year for us. So just great athletes there. Both of them have pop. You know, a kid I haven't even talked about is Kinley Cahalen, who to me is, if she's not the best shortstop, she's up there. Uh, very, very, very underrated. And I think, you know, another thing about this year, I think they're all playing with a chip on their shoulder with um, some of the preseason stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm glad to see it. Uh, another kid that she's going to run into some balls, Gary, is Kendall Clark. She's our JUCO kid from uh, DMACC, which is Des Moines Area Community College. Uh, probably the most pomp on the team. Uh, so when she gets going... And that's going to be a lot of fun, uh, to watch her crush the ball.
2: Wow. Well, it's exciting. And the uh, final question, cause I get it all the time. And, and, um, I told a couple people I would ask you because I'm, I should know, I guess, but season tickets wise, are there any left? What, are, what's the ticket situation yeah. for the season?
4: So season tickets are, we, we, where our goal is 3,200.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: So this is the first year, Gary, that, um, uh, I've never, ha- I didn't have to tweet anything about it. Jeez. Our ticket, Jim Johnson calls me and says, Coach, we're done. And Jeez. I was like, What? And it was the fastest we'd ever reached our goal. But <laughs> there's about 900 to 1,000 game day tickets available every um, game now. So walk up, you can walk up to um, the <laughs> ticket window and buy a ticket. Uh, there's around a 1,000 available each game. Now, those went on sale, I think, this last Monday, or last Monday. And obviously, Tennessee and the Florida Series, he said, were the closest to getting sold out already. And that's because those those tickets were already uh, up for sale. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, um, in the right field brickyard area, we have a new fence, and it looks great. But we decided, I don't know if you've ever been to Petco Park in San Diego, but their right field the fence is open so there is a fence but there's no pad on it so um, kids can bring lawn chairs families can bring lawn chairs and literally sit on the back side of the fence and watch the game like right there wow and we, we did that there's eight sections and they're about uh, eight by ten and what we're going to do this year is just first come first serve if you're gonna if you want to sit in the brickyard you can bring your lawn chair and then you can have one of those eight sections and literally be right up against the warning track and see the game right there and I actually brought a chair out there one day just to see and it's a great seat because you're at field level and you don't block the view of the brickyard because you're lower so we're um anxious to see how you know people take to that um still have the best fans in the country our trivia night was unbelievable in january we had over 500 people and had the best time ever and i, I really think there's um you know people are having softball withdrawals and <laughs> it's gonna be fun year
2: well the Rhodes house is the, the the standard it's which you know all other ballparks and softball are measured against the Rhodes house and it all starts this weekend folks with the east and bama bash thank you so much murph it's
0: not sure i'm pulling them off
6: U.S.-based customer service. It pays to Discover. Limitations apply. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Tide 100.9,
1: Tuscaloosa weather. The weather cool and dry today with a sunny sky, the high 55, clear tonight, the low 34. And we stay dry tomorrow and Thursday. The sky sunny both days, the high tomorrow is 63, the high Thursday at 66 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 42 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
0: You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Oh For Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
2: All right, 957. Thanks to Patrick Murphy for jumping on and uh, giving us our softball fix. Had a lot of people requesting him, and uh, hope you, uh, softball fans, enjoyed that interview. It'll be available at our podcast center at tide109.com. and also wherever you get your your podcast, whether it's Google, Spotify, whatever it may be. All right, uh, that's going to do it for the first hour. We start off the second hour. Rudy Arman is going to join us uh, from over in Jacksonville at Jacksonville State for the basketball regional, and we've got some breaking news that it looks like Alabama is going to stay in-house, according to Matt Zenitz of 247 Sports. Nick Sheridan, the tight ends coach, is going to be the offensive coordinator for Kalen DeBoer. That makes sense, and we'll discuss it with Rudy Arman when we come back for hour number two of the Gary Air Show. On Boulevard West, Krispy Kreme is open seven days a week. To see our complete donut, coffee, and espresso menu, visit our website at KrispyKremeTuscaloosa.com. Krispy Kreme, hot now and anytime. Los Tarasco's has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Las Tarasco's in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big-screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Las Tarasco's features daily... Sports betting in Alabama. Contact your legislator today by visiting sportsbettingalliance.org. Paid for by Sports Betting Alliance. Sportsbettingalliance.org. Checking games to note from the NBA, of two of the top teams in the West with the Timberwolves going to L.A. and knocking off the Clippers 121-100. to Minnesota now has a one-game lead on Oklahoma City, game-and-a-half lead on L.A. and Denver for the top spot in the Western Conference. Nuggets lose to the Bucks 112-95 in a battle of former league MVPs. Giannis Antetokounmpo had 36 points and 18 rebounds in the win. Nikola Jokic, 29 points and 12 boards in the loss.
7: 76ers had the Cavaliers a 123-121 loss. Cleveland's nine-game winning streak is snapped. Rockets get by the Knicks 105-103. Houston threw up a desperation Hail Mary at the buzzer with the game tied. They were called for, there was a foul call. They were awarded three free throws. They had two of them to win the game afterwards. The officials admitted looking at video
5: code 800
0: for an extra five dollars off a lumi starter pack love it or return it for free that's l-u-m-e deodorant.com code 800 now this hour is west alabama real-time news update from the tuscaloosa thread newsroom a pedestrian
1: was struck and killed on university boulevard east at juanita drive this morning tuscaloosa police continue to investigate six public high schools three of them in west alabama green moringo and sumter counties will split 1.2 billion dollars provided by Democrat West Alabama Congresswoman Terry Sewell for improvements to school security training and knowledge. Harry Grubbett Rudolph, the man who fatally bombed the 1996 Atlanta Olympics and at an abortion clinic in Birmingham, has been denied a chance for re by a federal appeals court in Atlanta. Get
0: 24-7 local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app and sign up for twice daily email newsletters
2: here we go, hour number two of the Gary Harris Show here on Todd 100.9 FM at 1230 AM WTBC. I'm Gary Harris, Justin Jones right there on the other side of the glass. This hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Integrity and excellence are the driving force behind the firm and its staff. Clients and prospective clients are treated with respect and care. That is the foundation for Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. They are in West Alabama, tuscaloosa and northport you can call paul and tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000 mike's in northport at 205-759-3939 the commitment to serve our clients does not stop at the end of the work day we're available 24 hours a day seven days a week find out more at pattersoncomerlawfirm.com
4: no representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers.
2: We're going to jump right into the second hour with the Rocket Man, Rudy Arman, 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville, co-host of Talking Ball. Weekday mornings with Scott Tyson. He's over at Pete Matthews Coliseum at Jacksonville State University for the a basketball regional, but uh, has been kind enough to join us anyway. Good morning, Drew.
5: Morning, Gary. How are you?
2: I know hoops are on your mind, and we'll get to some hoops, but let's start with the uh, the breaking news. I think Matt Zenitz of 247 Sports was the first to report that Nick Sheridan, tight ends coach at Alabama, is going to be promoted to offensive coordinator and play caller for the Crimson Tide. This is a former University of Michigan quarterback, uh, former offensive coordinator in Indiana, tight ends coach the last two years at Michigan, or I'm sorry, at Washington, came over with Coach DeBoer to Alabama, and now with uh, Grubb going to the Seattle Seahawks, he's going to get his opportunity to coordinate Alabama's offense what do you think about it
5: well I mean it's just what I was expecting uh you know ever since Adam Rittenberg had his tweet several days ago I mean he has outstanding sources um everything that he talked about and he was basically the one that broke Scott Huff was going to be moving on to the Seattle Seahawks as O-line coach with uh Ryan Grubb as OC of the Seahawks as well I just felt like Nick Sheridan was going to be promoted to OC and QB and, and co-OC, and then uh, the co- other co would be the wide receivers coach, uh, Jamarcus Shepard. Uh, I think that uh, Sheridan's going to be the play caller because there were some that were worried he'd never call plays, but if you peel back the onion, he called plays for Tom Allen in Indiana, and he's been under Kalen DeBoer at more than one stop. So he has experience. He played the quarterback position at Michigan, uh, so I don't think it's as big a jump as people think. There's a lot of continuity that it helps with and retention uh, because, again, you don't want to lose more than a couple of coaches uh, just a few weeks before spring practice. You thought you had your staff put together, uh, but the Seahawks had other ideas. And, again, I have no ill will toward Ryan Grubb or to uh, Scott Huff. Uh, You know, Scott Huff had been, uh, I I think, Washington under maybe three coaches. Uh, he went. He was there for seven years, so he doesn't have to move his family. He goes to the NFL, no NIL, no transfer portal right now. Same way with Ryan Grubb. Grubb is already separated at one other time from uh, Kalen DeBoer, so, and he almost went to Alabama last year. So you probably would have only had Grubb one year anyway. So to me, I think you should take it as a uh, a compliment that the NFL wanted two of uh, Kalen DeBoer's coaches before they ever coached a game at Alabama. I know he's got a plan, and we'll see how he executes that plan, but I think the focus right now is on finding an offensive line coach and potentially a tight ends coach.
2: Judy Arman with us. Uh, yeah, of course, uh, Nick Sheridan's father, Bill, long-time uh, NFL and, and uh – and. College assistant coach has been a defensive coordinator, so this is a coaching family, uh, and uh, right. Nick Sheridan really gets an opportunity now to evaluate uh, to uh, uh, evaluate himself as uh, an offensive coordinator at the highest level. And you have to, as you kind of alluded to, Drew, you have to believe that uh, this is something that uh, Coach Devore is comfortable with, and that he uh, understood this might be a possibility because of Ryan Grubb's situation with the Seahawks. Yeah, without a
5: doubt. I mean, Ryan Grubb was a hot coordinator. Uh, He's done a great job, and they had great synergy with Kellen DeBoer. Um, there's a lot of college coaches leaving for the NFL now for quality of life purposes uh, because, again, you have to re-recruit your own roster all the time. Uh, Jeff Hafley's already let, left uh, yeah, a, a head coaching job at, a, at Boston College to go be the D.C. at Green Bay. The biggest example, too, is and we talked about it with Bill Bender this morning on Talking Ball, the sporting news, is you look at uh, the Bill O'Brien situation. He (laughs) leaves the the Patriots to go to Ohio State. He's only there for a few weeks. He replaces Halfway, but who replaces him? Chip Kelly, because Chip Kelly was trying to get to the NFL and then decided to go work for his former quarterback that he coached at New Hampshire. Ryan Day at Ohio State because, one, he almost got fired at the end of the year last year at UCLA. If they hadn't beat USC, I, I, he probably doesn't keep the job. And I don't think he thought they were committed from an NIL and funding standpoint. So Chip Kelly looking to get out. He takes a pay cut, going to make about $1.5 million, but he might have the most talented roster uh, in all of college football.
2: Drew, when you look at the offensive line coach for Alabama, and I don't think there'll be any rush because this is a, uh, with Huff leaving and Huff's got a reputation as one of the best in the business, this is a very important hire uh, for a new staff. Uh, the offensive line is critical regardless of what you run schematically on offense. Uh, this is a big hire for Coach DeBoer.
5: It is. Uh, you know, we'll see where, what direction he goes in for the offensive line. Uh, to be honest with you, people have asked me this. Uh, it's Coach DeBoer's offense, and Nick Sheridan is already very familiar with it. I think the bigger loss was Scott Huff because uh, his O-line won the Joe Moore Award last year. He knows what kind of style of offensive linemen that, of course, De DeBoer wants. Uh, they, have, they were on the same page. And, and he, he was willing to leave Washington, the University of Washington, for Alabama until the NFL came calling. So it's a big loss, but certainly – uh, you know, uh, uh, assistance come and go. It's about the head coach. Should be a very attractive position. Uh, you got Parker Brelsford coming in in the transfer portal to man the pivot at center. You've got two returning guards potentially in Tyler Booker and, of course, the swamp monster, Jaden Roberts. So you got some good pieces. The biggest key is going to be figuring out right and left tackle, especially with Caden Proctor going back to the Big Ten. So uh, that's going to be the biggest key, though, getting a good offensive line coach and then bring in a tight ends coach and see it. You know, there was some thought it might be Jay Nunez. It still might be. Uh, he was a special teams analyst that was brought in from Oklahoma. Still could be an off-the-field guy, but there's still that possibility he can move into that tight end for special teams role. So we'll have to see what direction Coach DeBoer goes in. All
2: right, Drew. When you look at, um, you know, spring football will be starting up here soon for Alabama, um, and it's been a whirlwind, obviously, with Coach Saban. Um, you know, retiring and doing it very kind of abruptly. Uh, Coach DeBoer hit the ground running. Uh, successful uh, signing day uh, where they added three top players. Uh, uh, you know, last Wednesday, but now it's going to be getting down to the the nuts and bolts here soon, football wise. Just your um, your thoughts and your. Anticipation level from what we're gonna see in in the spring. Everything from do you think media will be allowed back in at practice? Do you think we'll have, you know, more access than we've had in the past? Do you think that they'll, you know, what 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 are the spring practices will look like? Any have you thought about that at all for the first time since two thousand and six, there'll be somebody running spring other than Nick Saban? I
5: think if your answer is yes to every question you just asked. um, I think it's gonna be completely different. Um, I do think it will be open in the spring. We will see in the fall. Uh, but I do think he's going to want to the, the fans and the media to see what his practices are like. Uh, so they will open it up for the first time in, since uh, before COVID. Uh, I think you're going to see, of course, how they're implementing new systems on both sides of the ball. That's exciting. Uh, you're going to see a lot of these early enrollees like the Jalen uh and you know Drake Kirkpatrick Juniors, that uh, you know, Isaiah Mintzies, all these guys that are on, have a chance at the secondary to make an impact. Because I really think uh, two of the biggest areas of, with question marks going in are the secondary due to the NFL losses of Kool-Aid McKinstry and Terion Arnold. Also, the portal losses of guys like Trey Amos. So, a lot of young guys are going to get looks in the secondary. You'll see those guys like Miles McVay and Wilcom Formby, uh, you know, and, uh, and Bertrand. Uh, the young man from Texas a and get looks at uh, offensive tackle. That's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Elijah Pritchett, I think his body type and skill set is more uh, conducive to this style of offense at the offensive <laughs> tackle position. I know he had some issues off the field, but it'll be interesting to see if Pritchett can make a run at either the right or left tackle spots because I think the offensive tackle spots in secondary, uh, there's the most question. And the quarterback, how does Jalen Milrow start acclimating himself To a completely new offensive system. Uh, We've heard so many uh, good things already about Austin Mack, the quarterback transfer from Washington. How does he fit in? Uh, You know, uh, Jeremy Bernard, uh, the wide receiver. So there's a lot of storylines to follow uh, in the spring practice for this squad, including a bigger role and perhaps even a starring one uh, for Justice Haynes when we got an appetizer in the Rose Bowl.
2: Last football question, and you've already alluded to it, but we are going to see more college coaches um, hightail it to the NFL. I mean, you've got, you know, you get about four months off, a year in the NFL, there's a players union, you know what you can and can't do. A lot of times those coaches aren't even allowed to work with those players. Uh, There isn't any recruiting. There isn't a portal. It's straight professional football, and it's, it's all laid out much, much better. Drew, any hope that Sometime this year, this calendar year, that we are going to have a committee or, or or whether it's the NCAA commissioner or political committee, someone try to bring about some type of structure to NIL and the portal to get this under control so that we don't keep losing coaches to the National Football League?
5: Well, I mean, of course. I mean, I think it's going to be fast-tracked, hopefully with the influence of someone like a Nick Saban, uh, who is now out of coaching but has such a high profile look. I mean, the NCAA is always reactive, not proactive. But when enough people are unhappy, when enough people raise issues with things, usually, unfortunately, in college football, in college athletics, that's when things get done, uh, and they'll try to get these states on on uh, the same page. Because, again, I know each state has different laws, but every coach in college football is not happy with some of this in some form or fashion. Uh, you don't want to continue to hurt the game. You don't want to be running coaches to the NFL because college football is very, very lucrative, Gary. It's the most lucrative enterprise in Tuscaloosa. It's the most inter- you know uh, uh, lucrative enterprise in the state of Alabama and throughout the southeast. Because so many of these southeastern conference schools don't have the NFL. Uh, and you know, and they, and they, their NFL is college football. So it's very important I think that's why Greg Sankey's being proactive and already partnering with the Big Ten, because those are going to be your two power conferences moving forward. No disrespect. I mean, the Pac 12 is now the Pac 2. you still got the ACC, but it's in, not in a good place. And then the Big 12, which has been adding teams and trying to stay relevant. But again, college football is in a, in a, you know, it, it it's not a, it's a very very tumultuous time in the sport and the sooner the things get worked out and start moving in a positive direction with everybody in lockstep the better
2: all right, Drew, let's get to some hoops. Uh, Tom called in earlier, and he wanted me to ask you about Alabama finishing this out. They're 9-2 and two, uh, in the SEC, tied for first with South Carolina. Seven games to go in the conference. I went through each game earlier, and I've got Alabama going 14-4, and four, which I think will be good for at least a tie, if not an outright SEC championship. These seven games remaining, A&M, Florida, Kentucky, at Kentucky, at Ole Miss, tennessee at florida and home against arkansas how do you see it playing out for alabama basketball and do you think the title will win the sec championship
5: i think they have a chance but it's a very difficult end of the schedule uh, you know florida is playing uh very well right now they're very tough at home uh it, it won't be an easy game inside coleman coliseum uh, i think their game at texas a&m coming up with the retro uniforms love those uniforms love the old school logo but They better be ready and they better, uh, you know, understand that Buzz Williams' team will come out punching at 11 a.m. They are an NCAA tournament team, I think, but they don't want to slip onto the bubble. They just got through just ambushing Tennessee at home. Uh, They're a very difficult preparation uh, with Boots Radford and Wade Taylor. And I love Buzz Williams. So that's going to be an interesting test after they've had some time off to work on things defensively and to try to, you know, heal up and things of that nature. Uh, I, th- I still think it's a very winnable game. They need to hold serve at home. You know, those four games at home, you got uh, Texas A&M and Florida the next two games on uh, Saturday and Wednesday. You need to get both of those. And then after that, you've got uh, Arkansas, who's struggling. That's the last home game of the year. And then in between Tennessee, uh, that will be an outstanding revenge game for Alabama after they got thumped in Knoxville. If you hold serve at home, you've got three games on the road. You got at Ole Miss, which is going to be difficult. At Florida, I already talked about that. And at Kentucky, I think if you can get one of the three and hold serve at home, I think that's reasonable. That would be what you're talking about—a five and two finish, fourteen and four overall. They've already got the tiebreak over South Carolina, which really helped. They've got a split with Auburn, and all some of Auburn's games are tricky as well. Kentucky has already been struggling some. Uh, you're, they're going to need maybe a little help with South Carolina. Probably can get it from Auburn inside Neville Arena coming up. They, they can get help from Auburn twice this week. Auburn and Neville on Wednesday against South Carolina. And then, of course, as we know, against Kentucky. So I do think if they can go 5 and 2, uh, which is, I think, doable, they can go 14 and 4 and have a shot to be the number one seed in the SEC. And once again, for the third time in five years, win the regular season under Nate O's which would be unprecedented and unbelievable and uh, uh, every bit the accomplishment of the things we saw uh CM Newton and Wimp Sanderson uh accomplish.
2: No doubt about it. Uh the alternative uniforms that they're going to wear Saturday against uh, Texas A&M the the most uh, uh got great reviews yesterday when they dropped it on on X. I guess the, the most talked about is that iconic block A with the elephant uh you like the uniforms
5: Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I've always loved the uh, Block A Elephant. I wore that uh, on a hat and on a pullover last night to my speaking engagement over at Greenbrier Barbecue. I even talked about those uniforms. Um, I love the shorts. I love the Crimson Tide on the jerseys. Some don't like that look, there's been a little bit of blowback, but I like it. Uh, and to be honest, we even talked about it on the show today. Football-wise, I wish they'd wear white helmets on the road with crimson numbers. I don't think it would look bad with with uh, with the gray uh, face mask uh, with Alabama and their all white uniforms on the road uh, with crimson, uh, you know, stripes down the pants. I think it would look great. Uh, but that's just me. I know they did it under Coach Bryant early in his career, and they did it for a brief time under Ray Perkins and with when, when West Neighbors was playing. So. Again, I think it would uh, I think that alternative uniform would look good in football. But again, I'm looking forward to these uniforms. I think it's a great new look. Uh, I, I like some of the the retro and Mark Godfrey used during the Ron Steele era, mm. some of the pinstriping and stuff. So I think it's a good change and, and I still remember one of the last uh, you know, uh, promotional things they did in football, and it really hit and uh, went over well in 2006 when they did the houndstooth around the collars, and everybody loved that. And then, of course, the houndstooth Nike hat went crazy. Uh, for a while, but I still think uh, the the new uniforms are really, really neat, and I'm looking forward to hopefully being on pressure roll on Saturday for the Texas A&M game, the brunch uh, tip-off at 11 a.m.
2: And lastly, junior baseball gets underway this weekend. I've got Rob Vaughn coming out on Thursday, but uh, based on fall ball and so far in pre- Season practices. This team, look, I like get this. I got a lot of pop, some really big bats. Of course, we know, you know what what went down with Coach Bohannon and, and getting through that. But uh, what's your expectation for Alabama baseball this year?
5: Well, you know, I'll be honest. I haven't. I didn't, of course, get a chance to attend any of the fall ball, but I tried to follow it. Uh, the one thing is, I think for the first time since the Jim Wells era, uh, this is a, a coaching staff that is really good at teaching offense. Uh, and getting guys to swing the bat. Uh, Gage Miller, the Juco transfer, and then Camden Hayslip, who's from Lebanon, Tennessee, was a valued prospect a couple of years ago, hasn't played a lot, but he's had an outstanding fall and then so far uh, as uh, spring uh, you know uh, practice has started in uh, the preparation for the season this spring uh, in uh, winter into spring, leading up to it, he's continued to swing the bat. He and Gage and Hayslip, I know last weekend. Uh, During the scrimmages, both, uh, were, uh, you know, I think they combined for three or four home runs apiece. Uh, They swung the bat really well. So there's going to be some thunder in the lineup. You're going to need a lineup card, though, because uh, Matt Gassetti behind the plate might be the only returning starter uh, and should be. I mean, he started last year, did a nice job, uh, but they've brought in new pieces at every position to compete. Uh, and they've certainly had to do that because so many young men were either you know out of their eligibility, uh, you know, uh, it, 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 as far as COVID goes, with an extra year, or they decided to turn professional. Like my guy Caden Rose, who got healthy at the end of the year, was a seventh round pick and, and signed with the Red Sox. So it's going to be a completely new team, a lot of new faces on the mound. Lost a couple into the portal, like Luke Coleman and Cade Woods, but they brought in some guys in the portal. It's all about the portal giffeth and the portal taketh. Uh, but I think uh, with JJ Jackson still there, you got to have confidence in the way he handled the pitching staff last year and how he's done it since Brad Bohannon left. And so I think there's a reason for optimism with this coaching staff, Gary. I mean, I know D1 Baseball called Rob Vaughn, and I hope to speak with him this week myself. Uh, you know, the best new hire in college baseball, and certainly he's the most high, he's the highest paid baseball coach in Alabama history for a reason and I think he and his coaching staff are doing some special things. I'm anxious to see Evan Slade and some of these transfer bats and uh, really uh, uh, interested to see how they do against Manhattan starting on Friday with this first three-game series that they're going to open with at the Joe.
2: Well done, as always, Drew. You're (laughs) over there at uh, Pete Matthews Coliseum ready for basketball. Uh, Big week for regionals, AHSAA, get ready for the state championships. And you're all over the place, but uh, people can uh, keep up with your work, I know, uh, through several different mediums.
5: Yeah, they can. They can uh, follow us uh, at 977 ESPN and all of our content for Talking Ball with Scott Tyson is on 977 ESPN.com or on our SoundCloud page. And of course, they can follow me at Drew D, 977 ESPN. We always appreciate being on the Gary Harris show each and every Tuesday. And uh, we look forward to the regionals today. We got a lot of local squads over here at the Pete. Uh, they got, right now, the Grissom girls have been playing you at Trustville. Uh, and then the Jack Dawson, the Grissom boys are about to take the floor against Chelsea, the Hornets. The Sparkman ladies will then at noon take on the Lady Hornets of Chelsea. And then the Crimson Panthers of Huntsville will be taking on Joel Floyd in Oak Mountain. Joel Floyd, of course, coached Alex Reese at Pelham High School before replacing Chris Love at Oak Mountain. So some great hoops today and tomorrow over at Wallace State, Hansville, involving a lot of teams from the Huntsville-Madison County area. We'll have coverage of that, and we appreciate the time as always. Thank you, Drew. Thank you,
2: Jerry. All right, it's 1025. We'll take a break and uh, come back, and I'll try to get us back on time. And we've also got Nate Oates, some uh, comments from the coach who spoke to the Birmingham tipping the next generation
3: of legends. We are here for you,
2: aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timberson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with Build Your Own Bloody Marys and Mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after hours. 8831. That's 800-294-8831. What do you have to lose? Call 800-294-8831.
1: Again, 800-294-8831. Tide 100.9. Tuscaloosa weather. The weather cool and dry today with a sunny sky, the high 55, clear tonight, the low 34. And we stay dry tomorrow and Thursday. The sky sunny both days. The high tomorrow, 63. The high Thursday at 66 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 44 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
0: The best station in the state, breaking down Alabama sports, Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right,
2: 1028 here on the Gary Harris Show, and uh, we talked to Judy Armand and got his take on Nick Sheridan, but in case you're just tuning in, um, Matt Zenitz from 24/7 Sports, I think was the first report, but there's been a lot of reporting done on this and um, it looks like Nick Sheridan, Alabama ends coach, is going to be elevated to offensive coordinator and play caller under Kalen DeBoer. Sheridan was with um, Coach DeBoer the last two years at Washington. He's also got experience at Indiana when Coach DeBoer was on the staff there and uh, he's a former University of Michigan quarterback who actually started his career as a walk on and earned a scholarship and started some games for the Wolverines back in the the mid-2000s, I think maybe around 2006, 7, 8, somewhere in there. So um, I like it. I think that it's, um, it's a common sense hire for Alabama, a guy who knows Coach DeBoer's system well. Yeah, obviously you would have loved to have had Ryan Grubb and Scott Huff staying at Alabama, the offensive coordinator and the offensive line coach. But listen, the NFL is the NFL. It's like I've I've told people, and Alabama fans, I think, get upset with the idea that anyone would want to coach somewhere besides Alabama. But the truth of the matter is that when you have a chance to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL or an offensive line coach in the NFL, more times than not, you're going to take it. Particularly with the fact that both Grubb and Huff live in Seattle. That's where they've been living. That's where their families are. This allows them to not have to make a cross-country move and to elevate their coaching careers. Like it or not, coaching in the NFL is an upgrade to coaching in college. It just is. Whether people want to see it that way or not. So uh, when Grubb and Huff... Decided to go back to Seattle and left Alabama with a couple of spots on the offensive staff. <clears throat> and, um, we're going to see Nick Sheridan get an opportunity to really, um, elevate his stature as a coach and be an offense coordinator at the University of Alabama. I think it's a solid hire. I really, really do. All right. It's 10 31 here on the Gary Harris show. Got us back on time. We're going to take a break and, um, we're going to be back, hopefully, with some Nate Oates sound from yesterday. I know uh, Justin trying to get that file straightened out, but he was at the... Uh or text DEAL to 511-511. Text DEAL to
1: 511-511. All pets are unique. Your pets' results can and will vary. Message and data rates may apply. Studies available upon request.
2: Los Tarasco's has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Las Tarasco's in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big-screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarasco's features daily happy hour specials And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarasco's with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport.
0: Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
2: 1035, welcome back in to the Gary Harris Show. Gary Harris and Justin Jones with you. And uh, Justin, is that file working any better? Well, I guess we won't play Nate Oates from... It worked for me on the TV end last night. I got a uh, file of the Nate Oates media session <coughs> at the uh, tip-off club yesterday, but we can't get the... Uh... The file to open up here so i guess we will not get to that so we're wide open for phone calls if you want to give us a ring 205-342-9904 the Krispy cream donuts hotline again 205-342-9904 would love to hear from you your thoughts on uh, nick sheridan as the new offensive coordinator and play caller for the university of alabama had come here as the tight ends coach from the university of washington but gets a big promotion big time promotion and uh, hopefully he'll uh He'll do a good job. I have already had a couple text messages from people asking me what I think of the of the move, and I like it. I mean, I think Coach DeBoer, uh, this is his offense. I think he wants someone who's familiar with it. Nick Sheridan is, and so we're going to get a guy who knows exactly how DeBoer wants things implemented and wants things run. And I think it'll be a good. Uh, I think it'll be a good fit. And to kind of piggyback on what Rudy Armin said earlier, I know there's a lot of uh, negativity toward Ryan Grubb right now and Scott Huff. And I got a little bit of pushback on social media because I did not take that stance. I, um, <clears throat> I mean, I just think it's it's real world stuff, and. I understand that Ryan Grubb was at the Red Elephant Club meeting last week and um, told people that he was the offense coordinator at the University of Alabama, and he was at that time. But again, I mean, if you're a person and you've got an opportunity to be a coordinator in the National Football League— in the city where you've been living the last couple of years, it just it's it's a no brainer. I'm sorry, it's not a knock on Alabama. It doesn't mean Alabama's not a good job, and people are all worked up about it. And well, he shouldn't have said he was. Well, you know, Nick Saban said he was going to be the coach of the Miami Dolphins. You know, he said he wasn't going to be the coach at Alabama, and I understood why to said it at the time because he was trying to protect his team. So I never got worked up about that. But people went on and on and on about it. But Alabama fans didn't mind Nick Saban saying he wasn't going to be the coach at Alabama and then reneging on that statement and becoming the coach at Alabama. When it works for you, you don't have a problem with it. When it doesn't work for you, you got a problem with it. I understand. That's why fans view things. Same thing with uh, Scott Huff. I mean, he's lived in Seattle for the last seven years. Now, all of a sudden, he gets to remain in the city where his family's at, (coughs) coach for the NFL team, for an offensive coordinator that he's very familiar with. You know, you just have to be practical. These are, are good moves for these coaches. And it makes sense for them and their families. This is a business it really is. And, you know, fans want every decision that's made to be all about Alabama. And Alabama is on top, and Alabama's the best. And there's, there's a lot of truth to that. But for these two coaches the opportunity to join the Seattle Seahawks is a better opportunity than coaching for the University of Alabama. For them. <clears throat> doesn't make them bad guys. Doesn't mean they don't respect or think highly of the University of Alabama and I'm sure they would have coached their rear ends off here. But when that opportunity with the Seahawks became available, they took it. And I can't blame them for that. Just like coaches, I always say this coaches are loyal to who signs their paycheck. That's just the truth. And when they're working for a particular school or a particular NFL organization, they give their all. They work as hard as they can. But if there's a better opportunity that becomes available, they'll take it. And their loyalty will shift to their new employer. That's just the way the coaching business works. And coaches are looking to be upperly mobile. Position coaches or off-the-field coaches are looking to get on the field. Position coaches are looking to become coordinators. Coordinators are looking to become head coaches. <clears> That's <throat> just the way the coaching business works. And when you have good coaches, more likely than not, you're going to lose some of those coaches because other people are going to want to hire them. That's the way it is. All right, it's 1042. Nick Sharon, a new offensive coordinator and play caller for the University of Alabama. That's uh, news that uh, happened during the show today. All right, we're going to take our final time out. We're wide open for phone calls. After having so many calls there for a few weeks, it's been really slow today. If you want to give us a ring on the Krispy Kreme.
0: Hello, sports betting in Alabama. Contact your legislator today by visiting sportsbettingalliance.org.
2: Paid for by Sports Betting Alliance. Sportsbettingalliance.org. Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and Fitting Specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program call today to secure a tea time.
1: Road East in Tuscaloosa. Make her smile on Valentine's Day with one call to Stephanie's Flowers.
6: 345-3074.
2: Since 2011, Billy's Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms at the bar and outside on the beautiful patio come by and say hello to kim and lisa the billy's management dream team billy's good food good friends and good time Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa
1: weather. The weather cool and dry today with a sunny sky. The high 55. Clear tonight. The low 34. And we stay dry tomorrow and Thursday. The sky sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 63. The high Thursday at 66 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 45 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
0: Follow the Crimson Tide on their journey to another national championship. Touchdown. Alabama. On your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right,
2: 1045. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. I'm disappointed we cannot get that file to play with Nate Oates yesterday speaking to the media at the Birmingham Tip-Off Club, but uh, sometimes that's the way it goes with uh, this equipment, and we just could not get it to, uh, to play, so we do not have that audio the way that I had hoped to have it. But we've got uh, one segment to go, so we're wide open. Going to continue to talk about Alabama football and, and had a really good discussion with Rudy Armin about where Alabama is at, but this spring, Justin, is going to be a lot of fun. It is going to be exciting. It is going to be, you know, spring's a time for renewal anyway. And we're certainly going to have a lot of new in the air for Alabama football. As I said, it'll be the first time since 2006 when Mike Shula was the coach that there will be a coach running spring ball other than Nick Saban. He ran every spring from 2007 through 2023. (coughs) Now you've got Kalen DeBoer. And you've got um, a new staff, a new system, new way of doing things, and like uh, drew and I were discussing, hopefully for the media there'll be more there'll be more access that is something that um, we're hoping for
7: what was practice like say prior to Nick Saban? Were practices typically open, at least semi, was the availability Yeah,
2: when uh, all spring practices were open and not the entire practice, but (coughs) media got to video and watch practice for all the spring practices. Um, That's the way it was from the time I got here with DuBose through Franchoni, through Shula. Also, assistant coaches were made uh, available. The um, players were more available than they are now. So it was a lot more access. Now, there's been some things, you know, there never was nearly as much access with Coach Sabin. But usually practices were open for video sessions, and then when the pandemic hit, all that kind of kind of changed, and um, immediately it never went back to the way that it was. So it will be interesting to see what happens now with Coach DeBoer and fans and media and access. I'm thinking that there's going to be more based on everyone that I've talked to up in the Seattle area, that said coach DeBoer was very media friendly and very um accessible and very easy to talk to. And coordinators were made available. So that's my expectation, but uh, but we will see. You know, again, here at Alabama, they may, they in Alabama, may sit down with Coach DeBoer and just say, hey, this is the way that we like to do it here. Um, we have this policy of no practices available to the media. We send out video feeds of selected practices. So we'll see between DeBoer's very open access policy that he had at Washington and a completely different policy that Alabama has in place. We'll see, you know, where this, where this goes. So it's going to be, it's going to be very, very, very interesting. And it'll be here before you know it. I mean, it's already February 13th, so we're going to be cranking up spring next month, and A-Day will be uh, April 13th.
7: Uh, And I mean, we were just breaking and talking about the news with Nick Sheridan, most likely going to be promoted to offensive coordinator. Do you see – I mean, Alabama fans were so excited for Ryan Grubb. Um, This is Kalen DeBoer's team. It was his offense that he ran. But Ryan Grubb was the play caller for that. Do we think we're still going to see some explosive plays, a lot of passing in a, a Nick Sheridan run offense?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think that there will be much different. Um, you know, Ryan Grubb is a a veteran play caller, experienced, highly thought of. And Nick Sheridan is less experienced, but... The offense is going to be, I think, very much the same offense that we would see under Ryan Grubb. I I think that Nick Sheridan is going to have full autonomy as far as play calls are concerned. And I think you're going to see this offense have a chance to be explosive. And I don't, yeah, I just don't see much difference, Justin. I really don't. I think Nick Sheridan, already on the staff the last two years at at Washington, um, knows the system, knows exactly what um, Alabama wants to do. And I don't think there'll be a lot of difference. I really, really don't. Between what we would have seen under Ryan Grubb and what we're going to see under Nick Sheridan. So, but we'll find out for sure in the spring. And of course, obviously, as we get into fall camp in August um, of this coming year, 1052, boy, it's dead today. And I thought, um, I thought with Coach Murphy being on, we'd get some softball buzz, but um, really, really slow today. Of course, I've been battling to get over the flu and maybe that's kind of, the last few days with me not being a hundred percent, maybe a slowed our roll a little bit as far as our phone calls are are concerned. But uh we'll get it back going and I'm gonna, you know, I sound better today than I did yesterday and hopefully um this will continue to get to get better because as I ha as I know, having been through a voice scare <coughs> back in twenty sixteen with um you know, having to have vocal cord surgery. Uh, I get a little nervous every time my voice is, is weak. That is for sure. But, um, Hopefully, I'll just continue to get better and better. Hey, Justin, you're welcome to jump in here and help me out, man. Just kind of dying on the vine. This is rare for us, but I'd hope to have that Nate Oates audio, and we don't have it to go yeah, to. Yeah, it's, so.
7: it's unfortunate we didn't get that audio. I, I didn't mean to leave you hanging. My well, bad, it's just this is unusual.
2: <laughs> this is just un, very, very unusual for our show to um, to be... Bogged down like this a little bit but like I said I had planned on having that Nate Oates audio and then we couldn't open the file so
7: well you know it's kind of this transition period uh we just had the Super Bowl this last Sunday we're kind of settling down we've been talking about settling down with Kalen DeBoer and the staff it seems like we have the OC now after once again having to replace it and find a new coach but now we're we just had Murph on I think it's, t- it's time we're going to start picking up again and get some baseball, softball. Basketball is going to continue to go on. I think we have a lot in store, and I'm, a- I'm really excited to talk to Coach Vaughn or listen to you talk to Coach Vaughn on Thursday. Uh, that should be a-, a great interview and a great time.
2: Yeah, and I love getting these Alabama coaches on. And <clears throat> Again, a reminder that um, the um, interviews that we do are all available at the Tide 109 podcast. At Tide109.com, so <clears throat> that's something to uh, to keep in mind. And uh, I was re- scrolling through YouTube here, looking for that maybe to find the audio and video of uh, since we couldn't open the files, hoping maybe to find some NATO's from yesterday on YouTube and couldn't find it. But the next thing that popped up, you know, they have that random play or that uh, whatever you call it, just the uh, um, the thing that popped up was the 2019 Alabama LSU game. And that was uh two great football teams. And I had already forgotten that Alabama opened that game on a long drive, had first and goal inside the 10. Then on third and goal Tua ran the ball and it just popped out of his hand. I don't know if you remember that or not. It just, it just dropped the ball and Alabama did not get a field goal. They, um, They got no points, and that turned out to be (coughs) costly in that game. And, of course, you know, LSU won that game and went on to win the national championship, but it was a, a heck of a football game. All right, um, this hour of the Gary Harris Show, let me speak about our sponsor, has been brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Paul Patterson and Mike Comer, they do it right with feet on the ground in West Alabama. If you need a personal injury attorney, I encourage you to call Patterson Comer. Paul's in Tuscaloosa, 205-345-1000. Mike is in Northport at 205-759-3939. <clears throat> and you can find out more at pattersoncomerlawfirm.com.
4: No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers.
2: All right. That is going to do it for our show today. Again, I want to thank Patrick Murphy and Drudy Arman tomorrow on the Wednesday edition. We'll talk NASCAR with Matt Coulter. Osco. Bart Heights on hoops. All that's coming up on the Wednesday edition of the Gary Harris Show. Catch me on TV tonight with your local sports and with Rodney Orr on Tider Insider TV at 630 on WVUA 23. For Justin Jones, I'm Gary Harris. T-Town Sports Daily is coming up next. Have a great day, everybody.